I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is coming off! Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. We're without Gavin Casey this week. Unfortunately, he's on some well-earned time off and has probably drunk Kerry dry at this stage. Murray Kinsley here in his place and I'm joined as always by the Tullo Tornado, Bernard Jackman. How are you, Birch? <laughs> Very good, thanks. Yeah, I've never been called that before, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. In my current physical state, um, that's, a, that's a massive positive and overestimation of my, uh, my ability to do anything. Humble, humble. You sweep the shed still. That was actually producer Brano who came up with that, okay. so give him his, his credit. Um, we're also joined by my friend and colleague, the County Down Diamond, Gary Doyle. How are you, Gary? I'm glad you didn't call me the Banbridge Bomber, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually tiptoeing around and going, what's sensitive here? What would I get away with? The County Down Diamond is nice, I think. Yeah. Brano suggested worse. I won't, go, I won't go through his suggested list, but uh, we're delighted to have you here, Gary. I hope all is well with you. Listen, lads, we've loads to get into. We got some serious questions uh, from from the members, from people on Twitter. There's loads about the Ireland squad, the United Rugby Championship as well, in particular, and that's where we're going to start. First of all, Birch, what have you made of the the announcements, the format, what we have ahead of us starting in September? Look, I think it's brilliant. Uh, um, I think it needed a lift, it needed a complete uh reorganization re rebranding and yeah i think it's better to start from from fresh again and um this certainly is doing that the south africans being eligible for europe um that's something that wasn't clear or, or certainly um you know wasn't um expected for me you know six seven months ago when we heard about them coming in so uh i think that's great i mean it means every game is going to be important from not just qualifying for the top eight um and getting into the quarterfinals but also uh in terms of trying to get into european cup competition whether that's through finishing top of your of your of your local pool or obviously getting in in the top eight so 18 games as well three less games um not clashing with international weekends uh, I just think you know the product is going to be a hell of a lot better, and and it, it should make it more competitive. I think a big reason the Irish teams dominated it was um, strength and depth, and obviously um, we know the the talent pool in Ireland is um, is quite strong. Players generally stay here. The squads have good enough budget to carry a lot of those kind of development type players, um, and hence we were stronger in international periods than. Than the Scots and the Welsh and the Italians, um, but that won't be lean needed as much. And yeah, I'm excited by it. And then in fact, it's, it's going to be what 90% um, free to air as well. Um, you know, with the four South African teams coming in, who you know are are hopefully playing a, an exciting brand of rugby, or at least a different type of of rugby. Whether it's it's based on that power game, um, you know, there's some big name World Cup winners going to be playing for them. So yeah, I I can't see any negatives to it really. The only question mark is around you know the qualification for the european cup and obviously you know four teams already been qualified by nature of winning their local pool um and i i saw mick dawson the leinster ceo come out yesterday and said that they voted against that or the irish voted against that and in two years time it's back up for decision and it has to be unanimous next time so um <clears throat> I, w- I would say in three years time that will be gone and it'll be the top eight uh, regardless of, of your pool. Um, and I think that's the best way, but I can understand for the Welsh and the Scots um, in particular, and Italians, why they would want to, to try and make sure they have at least one team in the in the Champions Cup. But realistically, I, I, I see that as like a subsidy, you know, and the sooner it's gone, the better. And we just have the best eight teams because I think that competition will drive this this tournament to be better than ever and you know by having something like that in there it can in some way diminish the um the ruthlessness of of pro sport and final seeding so yeah in general i'm really happy with it. some people aren't happy we got one i suppose message from a, a member in the whatsapp group um the 42 whatsapp group it's ob1 he says the urc sounds like the most americanized franchise i've ever heard being allowed into rugby are we going to lose what rugby's about and are we becoming the boring, statistics-driven, stop-start crap that is the NFL? So some people aren't convinced, Gary. What about from your point of view as a journalist? You're writing about this. 
you've been writing about the Pro 14, you've been critical, I think with justification at times. What's your sense of, of the new era? Yeah, I think, Murray, there's a couple of factors. Firstly, the Pro 12, Pro 14, initially the Celtic League, then the Rabo Direct, then the Magners League. It was called the Pro 14 when it had uh, only 12 teams in it this year. Hmm. Then it was the Rainbow Cup. Now it's the URC. I can see where the, our member is coming from in terms of all the name changes has affected the identity of this competition without any without without any doubt. Like you know, in addition to that, it's competing. Its nearest neighbours, the top fourteen, has been in operation since eighteen ninety two. The Gallagher Premiership has been going since 1987. They are national leagues. It's a big thing for a team to win its national title. Like in France, for in many respects, it's a lot of clubs view it as a bigger deal than winning the Champions Cup. Uh, the opposite is here, whereby the Champions Cup came first before uh, the Celtic League was formed. And basically, as we all know, Murray, it's very hard to create tradition. It just doesn't happen. You know, now it did happen with the Heineken Cup, but it, it took about five years before it caught on in Ireland. So that was that was a big thing, and it, it really only caught on in, caught on in Ireland because Irish teams started to become successful. This tournament, I have an affection for it, despite being critical of it, and I feel it has an opportunity to do well now for two reasons: one, free to air on TV gives it the potential to grow, to find a new audience. Secondly. It's got an injection of quality. You've got four really good teams coming into it. And the problem with this year's Pro 14 was the fact that the Welsh and the Scots down twos, the Italians were, were terrible. Uh, funnily enough, when it came to the Rainbow Cup, Treviso got on a bit of a run. Mm. And now, obviously, they benefited from the fact that they played Zebra twice and they got a walkover as well. But it, but it just shows that if a team does get on a bit of a run, that that uh, their, their performances can, can improve, their consistency can improve, their motivation improves. So I'd actually disagree with Bernard on the, um, the idea of the Italian, or sorry, the Italian Scots uh, having one team that will enter into the Champions Cup and also the possible, or sorry, the, the, the fact that the Welsh will, will be guaranteed to get a, get a team in on the basis that one of the main criticisms of the Pro 14 over the years has been the fact that it hasn't had any relegation. Therefore, you don't have teams with something to play for. If now you do, every country will have an opportunity to get into the Champions Cup, which will not only bring prestige, but also decent prize money. So it should give them the motivation. It should decrease the number of dead robbers. We hope, I don't know, it, it, it may increase the number of dead robbers. Now, the obvious uh, downside to that is that the teams, uh, there is a potential that teams could finish seventh and eighth in the, uh, in the Pro 14 and not qualify for Europe. But really, if you're finishing seventh and you're not getting into the Champions Cup, you can't expect too much sympathy. Mm. You know, you've finished seventh. You haven't, you haven't uh, if you're not, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're not part of an elite six then tough love, like, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. And you get the chance to go. You shouldn't be rewarded uh, just for finishing seventh. Yeah. And there are some quirks to this. As Stephen Ball on Twitter pointed out to us, you can actually win the URC and not qualify for the Champions Cup. We clarified that you can finish, say, eighth in the in the table. You can go through the playoffs and, and win, but you might have um, not finished in your regional pool uh, at the top of your regional pool to, to qualify into Europe, which is a, a strange thing because the other places after the regional four are decided on the main league table rather than the playoffs it's it's a it's a real quirk there so it'll be fascinating to see how the format pans out Birch. but as you say the tv angle it's huge barry o'sullivan was on to us on twitter he said 52 of the 60 games are free to air on, on tv which is great and he was asking about the eight games that are not being shown as far as we understand they're they're ulster games but we also now have this urc tv subscription streaming service birch it feels kind of very modern yeah, no, it does, and I also I, I think Premier Sports will also have every game as well. Um, that, that's my understanding of it. So effectively, you know, for the for the people who who want to you know make sure they have every, access to every game, 
you know, they can keep the prescription with Premier Sports for the people who, who don't want to pay for it. They'll have a huge amount of it available on, on free-to-air, plus obviously this, this streaming service they're, they're talking about. Um, and, yeah, I, hopefully there'll be a highlight show or, or, or two as well, a weekly highlight show where everybody can, you know, catch up with the best action from across. Because I think it has been, the issue with it has been, we be, as fans, we've become very... Um, you know, focus on our own country, and and we don't really understand, you know, the quality or the, the exciting players coming from Wales, Italy, etc. So, the more this, the better um, for me. And I understand. Look at, they have had name changes, and it has changed format a lot. And I don't disagree, Gary. But I think at least put your hand up and say, look, it hasn't worked. We need a fresh start. And and the URC may seem very Americanized and and kind of brand branded as such. And, I, and, I, and I'm just thinking back to the kind of Furo, um, Furore in, in Bristol when they became the Bristol Bears and, you know, everyone saying, you know, oh, this is a joke and et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is Bristol fans and Bristol rugby people are now attracted to what they see on the pitch. And the Bears have caught on. And, it, and I think if you were an older fan who was, you know, wanted to keep Bristol Rugby Club, um, you know, name as part of the, the heritage, et cetera, you know, if you love rugby, you'll still be uh, enthused by what you see on the field, the players that are representing your club, and um, you'll move along with it. And 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 for every you know person who is so staunch to don't want to go with it, we'll hopefully pick up a, a few who are are open to it. So I think this pro this competition will live or die by the product. It'll live or die by um, competitive games, um, fighting tooth and nail for for qualification, whether that's for Europe through your own pool or or to make the, the top eight and. You know, we have to hope. I, I certainly believe the four South African teams will add to this because, let's no disrespect to the Cheetahs or the Kings, um, they didn't have the financial resources or uh, probably the history that the Bulls, the Stormers, um, etc. have. Plus, as I said, I think our internationals will play a lot more, and likewise the Welsh and the Scots and the Italians will. So I, I think the the quality will go up thirty percent, um, and that will be decide whether. This competition gets the buy-in across the the, the the participating countries that it hasn't really got in the past, or it had and lost and came back again, depending on where you were from. So, um, yeah, I I, I think it were it's a hugely exciting step forward, and yeah, we've had to wait a long time to hopefully get the right mix, but I think we might have it now. And I think there will be more interest in what's going on outside your own borders especially because you can use either premier sports or the urfc uh the tv subscription platform to watch every single game if you want to and even on demand because it's hard to fit everything in in a weekend but you could catch up on the south africans on a monday it'll be great to have access to that um and having said that we're going to look outward but we've got loads of questions on the irish angle gary so let's go a bit parochial on this brian hughes is on to us and he said with a condensed regular season to 18 matches along with tougher matches against the sa teams how big an impact will this have on the ability of the province provinces to utilize the 50 plus squads and therefore blood new talent as previous seasons? What do you reckon on that one? <clears throat> That's a really good question. Yeah, I actually don't think it'll have I can I don't think it'll have that big an impact, Murray, because when you look at the calendar for next season, you've got seven of the Irish uh, squad are going to be in South Africa with the Lions. Then you have the November series where Argentina and New Zealand are coming. You've got the Six Nations in, penciled into the calendar. And then at the end of the season, you've got a three-test tour to New Zealand. Now, in addition to that, you've got this much improved uh, domestic competition. Uh, plus, you've also got your Champions Cup. Um, so the intensity will be there all the way through the season. And when you look at the stats this season in terms of the number of games that Johnny Sexton played for Leinster, Tag Furlong and James Ryan, like there wasn't, Ryan played 11 times, Sexton and Furlong played six each. So that hasn't decreased the opportunity for other players to, to come through and progress. Like it might surprise you to know that Finney Witcherly, he's only 23, he's already played 62 times for Munster. And there is a facility for players to come through and develop, providing, of course, that the coaches at the, at the head of, uh, of each province is prepared to do that. And quite frankly, all, all four head coaches are, are 
more than more than happy to give young players their opportunity. So I don't see it being that big an issue. What I would like to see is players being released more to clubs to play in the AIL if they're if they're going to be redundant. I don't want to see them stuck in a gym during November uh, and during the Six Nations. You don't want young players to be idle. I do think there needs to be the the pyramid is fine at the top, but there's a bit of a gap between, to say the least, between the provinces and the clubs. I'd like to see more love given to the clubs and more players given to them as well and making sure that they're they're not redundant uh, during the periods when the internationals uh, are away and other factors that that come to mind I'm sort of I'm stretching it out a bit here but when when you look at the when you look at the national team Murray and you look at the fact that Joe Smith's last game in charge the team that he picked that day against New Zealand, Carney, Earls, Ringrose, Henshaw, Stockdale, Sexton, Murray, Healy, Best, Furlong, Henderson, Ryan, O'Mahony, Van der Fleer and Stander. Trans- transfer that to the game against England, Andy Farrell's last game. And basically it was pretty much the same team with the exception of Keenan coming in for Carney and Herring coming in for Best. The other players that, that broke into the side were on the bench in the, in the World Cup in 2019. So there hasn't on the face of it, there hasn't been a lot of change. Uh, but on to contradict that point, Andy Farrell capped 11 uh, debutants in 2020, and he's got another 12 on-capped players mm-hmm. in the squad coming up for the, uh, for the upcoming tests. He wouldn't have been able to bring those number of players through unless they were proven their worth at provincial level. So they have been given the opportunity... It's kind of slipped onto the radar a little bit, uh, but I've no doubt that they will continue to get their opportunity next year because it's the policy from the RFU, and that has floated downwards to the four provinces. So I don't, I don't see that being an issue next year. Actually, yeah, interesting point you make about how busy a calendar it's going to be, and then Farrell himself actually referenced that just after he, he named the squad. How big a year it is going to be for Irish rugby? The AL kind of angle is really interesting as well, and we got a an anonymous email actually on this and um, the person didn't want to be named but they said given the new format of the URC avoiding scheduling games during international windows do you think this could give non-international players the opportunity to get regular interrupted game time at club slash AIL level Birch we've been on the soapbox about this for a while but it does feel like a real opportunity in that sense yeah I, I think this will affect um, the ability to give certain squad players or young players uh, regular game time in, in the in the in the domestic league. Uh, I I think that if you look at um, the reason that Munster and Leinster in particular are able to go so deep is because they're quite comfortable in the regular or sorry they were quite comfortable in the regular season. So you could rest players without a massive risk of losing. Um, if the quality of opposition goes up coaches will you know will be very focused on on getting wins and that opportunity to blow players i'm not saying look at for example i think the irish provinces will go full strength against the other irish provinces okay because that's um that's key and that, and now winning being the best team in your in your uh in your local group is is a guaranteed way of getting in and then they'll suss it out in terms of you know how the opposition are are, are stacking up so if, for example, you know the Welsh and the, uh, uh, or the other teams are suddenly that bit better and stronger, uh, well, that's the that'll drive selection policy. So if if the competition steps up a, a bit and teams can beat each other uh, more regularly, then I think that some of those younger players will get squeezed uh, and they may play against you know a zebra or or dragons or, or whatever a team are maybe underperforming a little bit or a little bit weaker but they won't get that run of games that they have been able to to get and and that stat about Finian Witcherly you know uh it, it's brilliant that he's got so many games um but I, I do think it's crucial that they find opportunities to play uh if they're not getting games for the province um and some players are are slower burners than others so for example the Brian Brian O'Driscoll and James Ryan they never played for the province. They already got capped for Ireland. They went straight from club um, into playing for, for the country. But they're rare. They're rare. But um, there are guys who you can see straight away. I mean, Orion Baird or Rowan Kelleher. Um, you know, you can see them at, at 18, 19 and go, yeah, 
they have massive potential um, and they'll be fast track but there's other players who are who are slower burners and and they need to have um, opportunities so I do think also with the reduced budgets with the effect of COVID I think with the international travel I think the viability of a of a proper A uh, calendar um, is is very much affected. So I don't see them going over to play, you know, um, the, the Scarlet's A team, etc. And obviously they can play, you know, the other provincial sides. But I would love, I would love to see some of those young players and experienced players who are struggling for form or injury going back into a, a boosted, um, you know, club season and uh, really give that a chance to to be you know uh, a, a further part of the uh, pathway for for a future international so I, I i do i think look it's not going to be completely drastic you're not going to have you know um fully professional teams playing in the ail by nature of contracted players being sent back but uh, i i think i think come november, or november december um I, I i do see more of them going back and then it's a case for the clubs to provide you know, a really good environment, really good exchange of feedback back to the coaches, um, really good um, awareness of load, etc. Um, so it's not affecting or increasing the chance of injury. And I think once both parties, you know, communicate well and, and, and play by the rules, I think that league can quickly come back into being a part of it again. Um, and whatever, whether it's driven by URC and or whether it's driven by COVID, I don't care. I just want to see um, a better balance to how we manage the domestic and professional game. Yeah, you're both speaking pure sense on the AL there. Um, and we need the provinces to really embrace it and drive it th- themselves. Just on the provinces, Birch, like, would you have concerns about the Irish provinces being in the Champions Cup now, given this, this format? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think it'll... Like I think we could only have two in it, to be honest. Um, I mean that's like we're taking for we're taking it as given. The four South Africans are going to be strong. Um, I'll be honest. I've watched a good bit of them um, in this Rainbow Cup, and I thought they've been very slow to get going. But that's understandable. You know, they're a year behind us in terms of game time, etc. But when you look at the quality of player that they have available to them, um, uh, you know, I think they will be strong. So. That's, uh, you know, that that's going to make it more competitive uh, for our team. So, like realistically, I'd love all four to be in, and um, but it's it's uh, it's highly unlikely, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to make it tougher. And, and I'd imagine, look at it, if we could get three and one, um, uh, that'd be that'd be success for me. But again, I'm jumping to I'm, I'm presuming that everybody's going to up their game. And, you know, the likes of Glasgow and Edinburgh as well um, are going to bounce back from, you know, what's been probably poor seasons for them when they look like they're making progress. Treviso are going to, you know, use this Rainbow Cup, fin- or Rainbow Cup final as a as a way of getting back to where they were at. I mean, if you have Treviso, um, you know, uh, Zebra, Edinburgh, sorry, Treviso, Glasgow, Edinburgh, back, you know, being able to take points off of uh, other teams, and then the four South African teams, it's going to make it so much more difficult. Mm. Last word, Gary. The, the derbies in Ireland are certainly going to heat up. And we had a question from Koppel. He was saying, are the geographical-based groups a good thing overall? I mean, they're they're going to be ferocious games. I think they are, Murray. Although I've... <clears throat> I mean, about, I'm the sort of person that would like to see an opportunity given for, say, a Georgian, a de facto Georgian national team to be allowed entry into the the Champions Cup. I think it's just really important that for rugby that there is a geographic spread to the Champions Cup and that Scots, Welsh, Irish, well, Italians what are guaranteed at least one place. Like, you know, I, I, that's that's massive. And even from the competitive end of things, if you have Welsh clubs that are struggling uh, to make a quarter fi- to make the quarterfinals, but to still have an opportunity to finish top of their regional uh group then they will they won't down tools they'll continue to to perform towards the end of the season i think it's a, an experiment worth trying if it flops after two years and there and it shows that there are more dead rubbers or that there is just complete unfairness uh towards the teams that finish seventh and eighth and don't make the the champions cup then the, the opportunity to revise the the rule but at this stage I actually think it's 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 a a reasonable experiment to try, considering some of the experiments that we saw in the Rainbow Cup this year, which were 
just just flop like you know i think i think you have to try things and um actually hats off to the people that have come up with this format i think it's i think it's pretty good like you know like i'm really looking forward to the quarterfinals in a year's time like you know it's there's nothing better than knockout rugby the the one other point uh that i think we need to address as well murray is the fact that this there's a strong possibility of a club world cup coming out of this there was a a piece in the daily telegraph on tuesday i think it was and simon halliday who is the chairman of uh european club rugby he was saying that there's now an opportunity because uh, the south africans are no longer in limbo after moving out of super rugby that there's a really strong opportunity of a club world cup taking place in 2024 and basically how that would work would be the eight quarter finalists from the 2023-24 champions cup season would then face the top eight teams from the southern hemisphere in a straight knockout tournament in 2024 and that would happen every four years which would basically lead to that year's champions cup being superseded by the club world cup now that could be a fascinating uh, addition to the rugby calendar uh, uh, it could also hurt every Irish province if they don't qualify for, for the yeah. Club World Cup. But, I mean, can you imagine the idea of Leinster getting the home draw against the Crusaders in a semi-final? Yeah. Like, that would be an extraordinary thing. Huge, huge interest in it, absolutely. Just, Murray, Murray, Murray last thing on the on the, um, on the the four groups in the, in the, in the uh, URC. I, I don't agree with Gary that um, we need to have a mix because... Like, let's be honest, it actually has ramifications for the Champions Cup as well. So just for example, let's take the South Africans. Say they're not competitive, okay? Just say they they don't readjust and there's a player drain to Japan, et cetera, et cetera. And the four South African teams aren't as competitive as we think they will be. And by nature of the way it's set up at the moment, one of those goes into the Champions Cup. Um, you know, that has ramifications then for whatever group they land in, in terms of someone having an easier game. Like, we don't give the English clubs special dispensation for the teams who are uh, from Cornwall or the French, uh, if you're from Basque region, you need to get in. So, I look, at I, I think it's okay to start off with, but, like, I think the best driver of competition and performance is, um, you know, that accountability for your results and not having any freebies in. So, uh, I certainly t- I would like to hope that after two years, it becomes top eight um, and the best, uh, the best survive, uh, the best go through. Obviously, the quarterfinals plus Champions Cup, and then it's about each team, you know, financing, uh, finding the right finance to to be able to do that, developing their own players, recruiting properly, getting their coaching staff right, getting their culture right, and I think that will then drive the rainbow, or sorry, the URC itself, rather than um, any kind of you know leniency or trying to get the right geography. I think. Realistically, for me, the top eight go through um, to the Champions Cup, and that will actually help the performance on the field. Mm. It's a complexity of a, of a cross-border competition, but a, but a fascinating one. And as you both outlined, loads to be excited about. It's a long way off, and we'll probably forget about it now for, for a while until September, but definitely more excitement about that than there would have been for a, for a Pro 14. As long as we get a Tullo Tornado analysis show, I'll be happy enough you up for it, Birch. Yeah, well, let's sort it out, yeah. We just need someone to pay I'll for start, it. I'll start pitching now. <laughs> I'll start pitching. It'll be a lot of fun. Listen, we have international rugby on the horizon now, Gary. It's going to be exciting now to see a very different Ireland squad in these two July tests against Japan and the US. 12 uncapped players, just in case people didn't see it. Robert Balakun, Tom O'Toole, Nick Timoney, Caelan Blade, Tom Daly, Paul Boyle, Harry Byrne, Peter Dooley, Ross Maloney are all in there, as well as the Munster duo, of Gavin Coombs and Finneen Witchley. James Hume also a late call-up due to Gary Ringrose's injury. What caught your eye about this squad, Gary? Because it's an interesting window without those Lions players you mentioned earlier on. Yeah, a few things A few things struck me. The one player I'm most excited about is uh, Robert Balakun um, because I just think he's an incredible, incredible athlete. He's an interesting story. Like He only took up the game at 15. Like as recently as four years ago, he was playing junior rugby with with Anna Skillen. Um, but there was a try that he got that was chalked out that he got against Leinster in March, Murray, and mm. it was just the most. It was for me apart from Keith Earls' try against England, it was the, the most uh, impressive thing I saw all season. Um, I can't remember why it was chalked chalked off. Something happened earlier 
earlier in the move. But but Balakun's speed, his his instinct, the slicing sidestep, uh, his eye for the try line, it just it was world class. It was breathtaking. It really was. Um, so he's the player that that stands out, and he's he's been really unlucky. Like it, you know, terrible hamstring injury last August, where his hamstring was was torn off the bone. Basically, that was the injury that. Uh, that finished Paul O'Connell's career. So, like, that wiped out his opportunities. He went over a year without playing uh, because, between lockdown and then that injury. And prior to that, he had scored six tries in seven starts for Ulster. He's only 23. He's just got so much going for him. And he, he said himself how, when he did a, did a spell in the Irish Sevens programme, how that sort of improved his capacity to deal with stress within matches in terms of his decision-making and getting his fundamentals right and all the rest. And the other factor about this, Murray, is that if he does emerge and proves that he's, he's capable of, of stepping up to this level, then all of a sudden you've got options in your back three of either Keenan, Zebo's coming back next season as well. So you've got Keenan, Zebo, you've got Earls, you've got, you could even put Will Allison in at, at fullback as well. Uh, you've got Larmer, you've got Stockdale and Balakoon. And that's before we mentioned James Lowe, uh, Andrew, Condre- and Andrew Conway or, mm-hmm. or Shane Daly. So what we're seeing now throughout the Irish squad, and again, it goes back to the point I made earlier, that even though on, this, on the face of it, it doesn't look as if the, the starting lineup has changed greatly. In fact, it hasn't changed greatly. But the fact that there have been 11 debutants last year and you've got another 12 players coming through, you've got real depth now, Murray, that just didn't, that just didn't exist in the old days in Irish, in Irish rugby. Like, if you go back to the mid-noughties, the first name on the team sheet for, for Eddie O'Sullivan, it wasn't Brian O'Driscoll and it wasn't Paul O'Connell. It was John Hayes because there's nobody else at Tighthead. Yeah. The second name on the team sheet was Peter Stringer because there wasn't a credible alternative for a few years uh, at scrum half whereas now if you look at the if you even go back to 2018 Murray when we were in Australia for that tour that the deciding test Sexton and Murray were the only two players or sorry the, their replacements were the only two players that didn't get off the bench that day in other words there wasn't there wasn't depth that the coach trusted in those two positions if you look at scrum half now you have the option of Murray Casey uh, you've got Luke McGrath, you've got Marmion, you've got Cooney, you've now got Keelan Blade, who's been brought into this squad, and you've got Gibson Park. If you look at out half, you've got Carberry coming back into the squad. Carberry hasn't been capped since 2019. He made yeah. his debut at Soldier Field in 2016. He's an incredible talent, but he's only had six starts for Ireland. So you can't fail to be excited by the idea of him coming back into the picture. You can't fail to be excited by the idea of seeing if Harry Byrne is as good as he has looked at uh, provincial level. And they're, like, they're three names, but if you, if you look beyond those names, you've got Ben Healy coming through, you've got Crowley coming through. So there's, there's five options at out half, and we haven't even mentioned Billy Burns, Ross Byrne, or Ian Madigan yet. So there's eight options that are credible at out half. And when you think back to when Humphreys retired and before Sexton came through, the options for Eddie O'Sullivan then at out half were either Ronan O'Gara or Rog, you know, it was just non-existent, it was Ronan or Ronan, that was it, so <laughs> basically what I'm saying is all through the squad, maybe a little bit light at, at, in, in terms of depth chart at loose head and in the second row, but everywhere else there's just so much uh, so many numbers for Farrell to look at and and like Tom Daly coming through adds even more depth to the to the uh, to the midfield area, which already had plenty of depth, and he's he's had a tremendous season. He's had yeah. a better season than Bundyaki has had. Yeah, absolutely fair point, and and you're so right. And even with this extended squad, there's plenty of chat about guys who've even missed out and been unlucky. Scott Penny is one birch, and a couple of shouts on on Twitter. We called for questions about Jean Klein. Um, him missing out there was another one from Mike Haley but but um, Jean Klein seems to be seen as a, a figure who's unlucky here there was one message saying maybe there's a unfair bias against him based on the media reaction to the 2019 World Cup thing with Dev Toner what's your sense of that is he unlucky Birch yeah I, I don't really think he's unlucky and, I, and that's not trying to 
Um, that's not not valuing what he brings. Um, I I just think that uh, you know I, I think obviously James Ryan and for me Ryan Baird are are ahead of him um, in terms of um, you know what they've already done and what they can do, particularly for for Baird. Um, I think Ultimatelan has had a a good season um, and has you know probably more. More potential to be that explosive ball carrier than, than John Klein. I think John Klein is very good at what he does, um, and and most of that's without the ball. So it's in terms of you know his scrummage and his mall work, um, his physicality to break down his his defence. The issue is with the ball. Um, he has a good bit of improvement uh, to make in terms of explosive carries in terms of his catch his ability to catch actually um could do it a little bit of work on so i i don't think there's a bias towards him for the world cup um maybe and maybe look at maybe some people um are carrying that um in terms of their analysis of him but i, I certainly you know think he does a very good job he's a very good squad player for for munster he's a very good addition for munster um if he stepped up to play for ireland would he let us down no but I can see why he's he's not in this in this squad, and um, you know I think that Witcherly, um, who's a similar type profile to to Jean Klein in terms of you know being that physical um, lock, uh, has probably a little bit more upside in him, and I'm delighted to see him in there as 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 part of the the young cap players. I would probably look at I I totally agree with Gary um, that we have a massive depth at the moment. Um, uh, but I think that's the nature of you know keeping a really tight rein on on foreign players. So if you've got whatever 160 contracted players in Ireland and you've got a really tight rein on on your non-Irish qualified, you should have decent depth. And particularly because we do give opportunities for so many players to to play in the or in, in, in our domestic competition. Um, that's that's going to be there, and, and that's always going to be there. So we're, we've moved on from from whatever 10 years ago when you know we only had uh, a couple of options um but the, the question mark for me is you know can this squad you know produce two starters for ireland or two match winners for ireland you know at a world cup or or in a six nations or in a november international series against the all blacks or south africa um and for me the ones i'm really excited about absolutely i think um i agree uh that Balotloon has that you know point of difference and could become a, a starter for Ireland and a match winner for Ireland um Coombs you know is really exciting um and obviously with CJ retiring there's a spot up for grabs I think it's a mistake to not have Scott Penny in the squad uh, I, I don't I think they could have given Peter Manny a rest as well and I know you know he he had a, um, a suspension etc in the Six Nations and uh, maybe hasn't played as many minutes as as some of the others, but uh, I just think uh, we know what he can do, um, and uh, and I think Scott Penny has that upside in a very competitive area. But I think in three years' time, Scott Penny could be an international, you know, rugby player for Ireland, helping us win games. Um, and I, there's some guys in the squad I don't I don't see that you know them them becoming that. And that's that's not a uh, that's not an issue. I mean, every country's looking for those six or seven players who on their day can can help you know you beat the best in the world um and i said i think i put coombs and balatloon in that bracket in terms of uncapped um i think carberry obviously has the potential to replace johnny and be that you know player that we build a team around um and i think baird you know baird has that potential as well even though obviously we already have you know james ryan and, and henderson as being you know kind of uh, British and Irish line quality, um, but I think Baird has that potential to to step up as well. And then, you know, Doris we know is going to be a, a phenomenally important player for Ireland. So yeah, I like the squad. I also think it kind of shows you that if you stay in Ireland, um, uh, and I benefited from it in two thousand and five uh, against Japan when there was a Lions tour on to get uh, get a cap. Um, it does if you stay in Ireland and you stay fit and you're you know you're playing for your province on a on a regular basis maybe not in the Champions Cup games um, an opportunity will come round to, to get capped uh, and that that's a big part of of you know helping us keep players in in Ireland as well and uh, yeah so I, I think that this this is a real opportunity for for a lot of those players to to get capped and obviously if they go really well and continue to progress they can obviously get a lot more but. Um, for me, Andy Farrell will be hoping to find three or four starters for Ireland who can help us win big games and have a point of difference.
Mm, really interesting to see who takes their opportunity. There seems to be a lot of excitement about James Hume getting his belated call-up. He's been excellent, obviously, for Ulster all season, matured with every opportunity he's had, and there's definitely a lot more potential there. But uh, Gary Bernard just mentioned the main man, Johnny Sexton. He's one of the guys who is rested, along with Healy and Earls, all of whom are going on to new IRFU contracts. We got a question from Brian Fury, one of our members, he said, what's next for Sexton in an Irish shirt? And we talked about this around Leinster last week, Birch. But he says, Farrell has made a big call picking one burn over the other. Is this a sign he's starting to realise he needs to find his world-class 10 for the World Cup? And how can Sexton come back under a longer-term plan, Gary? Well, look, he's he's not going to be around forever. I mean, you, once you get a certain number of candles on your birthday cake, then that pretty much <laughs> hastens... He's, uh, you're coming close to the end, like you know. But he's 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 one cap. He's 99 caps for Ireland, isn't he, Murray? He's close. So there, I mean, yeah. like getting getting to the century is is a big deal, and um, he should be afforded that opportunity, providing he's providing he's fit and providing he's he's playing really well. The reality is that in the Six Nations this year, he was Ireland's best out half, like you know. And if if you're the best, like. There's the the tired old cliche that if you're old enough, you're good enough, but it goes the other way as well. If you're, it doesn't matter if you're 36, 37, or 38. If you're still the best player, you should be played. And I'm not a believer in building everything for four years time, for for World Cups because if you, I don't think we have enough players to do that to start with. And secondly, a player can get injured. Like for example, in 2015, everything could have been built towards around Paul O'Connell. Paul O'Connell's not available for the quarterfinal. Similarly, we could have built everything for the last World Cup around Joey Carberry, and then he gets injured uh, in against Italy in, in the in the run up to that tournament. So you just it's too combative a game. The injury, the number of injuries are just too high to be able to look have a crystal ball and look forward. So once he's fit and once he's playing well, he deserves his place. But he's not going to be around forever. And I think I think Farrell has obviously recognised this in that he is he's going to have another look at Carberry. And he's also brought Harry Byrne in. Like Harry Burns when he played 22 times for Leinster, a number of those games have been as a replacement. So like I mean it's it's an obvious call to make because he's very, very talented. Um I wouldn't have minded seeing seeing Ben Healy in there as well. That would, do you know something? I wouldn't even mind seeing Jack Crowley in there. It's Japan and the USA. The results don't matter. Uh, Farrell, after beating England, has got credit in the bank that he could really, really experiment heavily in these games. And who cares if they lose? Uh, it's not a big deal if you lose these games. And it's you want to see as many new players being given the opportunity as possible. So I agree with Bernard. They should have given Peter... Uh, O'Mahony arrest over the summer he was right to give Earls Sexton and Healy a rest we know what they can do we want to see what other people can do yeah absolutely and that is a key part of it say Bernard getting a couple more players who are going to be part of that World Cup group what about tactically I asked Andy Farrell about this the other day he kept talking about speed that was his kind of key phrase around players around his own tactics what would you like to see in these two games from, from Ireland in terms of game plan and strategy yeah I, I do think we need to find a way of uh, of making up for a lack of power um, and speed is, is certainly one way of that uh, of doing that I mean we're, we're going to get a, a like for like a test when we play Japan because they're a team who have who have found a way to beat bigger and stronger opposition through, through speed and you know, I doubt we can get to their level. Uh, you know, in the course of a of a three or four week period. Um, I mean, how they got to that level in 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 the World Cup? They, you know, Jamie Joseph built on what Eddie Jones had had started in terms of fitness and skill levels, and he had a four year block to um, to implement it. So, if the four provinces aren't playing um, with you know a, a similar style to how Andy Farrell wants to play, it will be harder. It will be harder to control. But definitely, yeah, playing with speed, playing with evasion. Um and um you know getting the ball to the area to, to the space and, and is going to be is going to be the key and Joey coming in I mean uh, you know who he plays with Joey I think is going to be um you know, really interesting I think you know if you want to play with speed your nine choice is going to be massive and no disrespect to Conor Murray but that's not his his super strength you know uh, you can see when Casey plays for Munster. Um, wants to play at a different tempo so and that's probably something 
I haven't seen a huge amount of real clarity in terms of with under Andy Farrell it's probably the alignment of selection to, to strategy um, sometimes it's been a little bit uh, confusing um, and again look at this is a this is a block of two games where um, you know experimentation is, is key finding players is key but uh, it will be really interesting to see tactically if we can implement that speed um, and if it makes us you know perform better from an attacking point of view because I would say traditionally Irish teams you know when they get into trouble um, they go back to that set piece territory, um, you know, to win the game. Whereas, as Gary said, the, the result is pretty much um, irrelevant. Um, you know, uh, but it would be great to see the start of of a tactical evolution that you know, Farland's coaches have come out of the Six Nations, have have looked at what's happening worldwide, have looked at the player pool they have, and said, right, this is how we're going to go. And you know, um, in November we'll add to it, in the next Six Nations we'll add to it, etc. Um, rather than be overly, uh, like I think a lot of pressure came on in the last Six Nations and, and, you know, that can affect your your decisions around selection and strategy. But now you'd like to say, okay, they've got past that, um, you know, uh, they're going to be here for the long haul and let's implement a strategy that can, you know, get us as high as possible in the world rankings and and, and hopefully win win some silverware. Mm, the pressure was all coming from you, bro. That was me, sorry, yeah, I apologise. Go easy on that. <laughs> Listen, really looking forward to those tests. It's going to be really interesting and absolutely buzzing now for Saturday because it's the start of the under-26 nations, which for me is some of the most entertaining rugby in the calendar. There's that bit of naivety, um, some decision-making that would have professional coaches with their heads in their hands, but it's always exciting. Richie Murphy is in as head coach, Birch, um, and Alex Kandel is the skipper from, from Munster. You'd be working on these games with RTE. Who are you looking out for in particular and, and what chances do Ireland have? Do you yeah, reckon? look, at it's, it's it's a big turnover. I look at it, um, obviously, with uh, uh, with COVID and things like that. But there's only six guys back um, who were involved uh, last season. Uh, Sirocco, Corkery, McKee, Moxham and Ford and Murphy. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Doak at nine. Uh, Nathan Doka. uh I've heard a huge amount about him since he was 13 or 14. Um, I know in Ulster there's massive raps on him. And I, I think uh, he's someone that I haven't seen as much as I would have liked. And, and this tournament's going to be great to see them over over those five games. Um, obviously, he's competing with Richie's son, Ben Murphy, for that starting uh, nine spot. Um, I, you know, I, I saw a lot of Chris Cosgrave playing in school. He's he's a he's a very exciting player. Um, Jamie Osborne as well. Obviously, we've seen him play um, for 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 Leinster. Moxham, um, I, I like, and uh, yeah, Kendellan uh, is supposed to be a, a really good player. I haven't seen as much as I would like to him. So look at the great thing about this is, uh, and this was brilliant when we were able to go to games, uh, and particularly in Cork, there was a great atmosphere. Um, the team, you know. They became kind of characters in front of our eyes, and and you know we've we've followed some of those through Casey, for example. We you know we've followed through to um, to the Irish jersey, which is a phenomenal rise. But it, I look at um, there's players in this team that we know very little about now, and, and that's partly down to obviously it's a, you know they haven't played rugby for a year because of of lockdown. So you know over the next five weeks, uh, yeah, we're going to see. Um, we're going to see some stars emerge and uh you know it's a very exciting uh, opportunity for Richie um and for him to get a chance to go from being a, a skills coach to being a head coach and uh I'm fascinated to see what philosophy um he will look to implement I saw the videos of their games against Munster and Munster A and Leinster A and there was a lot of kicking in, in that and as a kicking coach uh maybe he's uh, that's where he's going to go but look at um you know just because you kick the ball doesn't mean you can't have a uh, there's a different type of kick and they you know it'll be really interesting to see where where this team plays in terms of flat, attacking philosophy and um, yeah who steps up but they're all live on RT actually so um, yeah hopefully hopefully they get a lot of viewers and, and people can get a, a fix in, into late June yeah good good audience would be great and, and plenty of exciting rugby as I say loads of talent unfortunately Ben has been ruled out with that ankle injury I think this week um and Will Riley, the Barnhall fella, has gone in, but it's just another opportunity for for another young talent who was unlucky to miss out. How important, Gary, has it been this step under twenties rugby, which are if you mainly view as a development tool? Well, yeah, it's, when when you look back to say, say you go back five years, Murray to that twenty sixteen team, like James Rann, Andrew Porter, Will Connors, and Shane Daly were all in that one, 
and they were sort of they made sort of pretty rapid progress. Uh, Hugo Keenan was also on that team, but uh, people have almost forgotten about that. Like you know, he was if they if the other guys were sort of emerging stars, he was the the one with uh, sort of late bloomer tagged onto his collar. But you look at him now, and he's like he's undroppable for the Ireland team. So I mean, from this from this squad, you're sort of looking at Kendellan and you're thinking everything you've heard about him in terms of uh, his his attitude as much as his ability. Uh, you're sort of thinking, right, this guy's got a great chance. And when he when they spoke Murray to the press last week, what really struck me about them was they were really confident guys, but there was also a nice humility about them as well. They've got that balance spot on. And sometimes you speak to to players and are younger players in particular, and a real uh, an arrogance is is often evident there, and it's misplaced because they haven't done anything to justify it. But with the guys that we spoke to last week, Cosgrove and Candelan and Ford, you certainly got the impression that their he- their head was screwed on. They were realistic. They knew that if they're going to make it, they're going to have to to work and. It's just it's just fascinating to watch these guys because for me the result is completely irrelevant. But what I'd be looking for is what's going to happen three years down the line. Who's going to emerge? Who's going to be the next James Ryan? And like I really can't wait to see Soroka. Uh, like he made his Leinster debut earlier this year against Glasgow and just looks really really talented. Tim Courtry featured against Zebra and. Kendellan, he also made his monster debut this year as well. And you're just looking at these guys and you're going, like, they've got they've got huge competition within their provinces to make a breakthrough, but they've also got huge potential and huge ability. And I, I can't, personally, I can't wait to see the matches. Mm, definitely an exciting aspect of Irish rugby's future. And there's another Ireland team in action this weekend, a massive weekend for the Sevens. Uh, we got a question from the WhatsApp group, members WhatsApp group on this. Actually, it's a good chance for me to remind people if you want to get involved in the members WhatsApp group and the membership, um, we're running a scheme at the moment for Father's Day gift. Basically, if you're scrambling for a present for your old man, this is a nice idea. You can head over to members.the42.e forward slash gifts and they get access to the best podcast newsletters, our WhatsApp groups, all that beautiful stuff. You can get a fiver off the price at the moment by using the unique offer code RugbyPod. So head over to members.the42.ie forward slash gifts to get involved there. The question from the members group, Birch, is from Jack Power. He says, what are Ireland's chances of Olympic qualification? If the men's team miss out on Olympics, would it be considered a major failure for the RFU or just a reflection of the competition being more mature and developed? I think it'd be a failure. Um, I think it has to be seen as a failure, given how we've prioritised it. Um, this was one of the big, you know, milestones that we were chasing. Um, obviously, the the women's team have missed out on it. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be a big failure. And just going back to the uh, a pet peeve of mine, the IQ program. I mean, there's only two uh, players from the IQ program in the under twenties, so of of thirty four. So you know. It, the, the whole idea that there's a, a lot of talent that's been found. And this is the, this is the place where they need to come in um, and, and prove themselves. But anyway, um, hopefully there's, you know, over the next couple of years, there's going to be bigger numbers coming through from that uh, and they justify their place. The sevens, yeah, I think it'd be a big blow. I mean, it seems from speaking to play, or to, to pundits who are very much on top of sevens form, it's, it should be between us and France from what, what, what they tell me um, for qualification. Um, uh, uh, and look at it looks like we've got a strong squad they've obviously been working incredibly hard and hopefully we can we can win that spot but yeah I would say if we miss it it's a it's a black mark against this program because that was something that a lot of players were focused on and obviously um, it would have been a, a big achievement and a, and a, and a big uh, honour for players and for Ireland to have a team at, at the Olympics in seven so um yeah, hopefully we can get the job done. It is going to be really tough. As you say, French are, are definitely the favourites for this tournament in Monaco and with way more established kind of series presence. Ireland have a group with Samoa and Tonga who actually have Malachi Fekatoa flying in for the weekend to use that loophole to qualify for their 15s team as well. So even the, the group stage will be tricky. And as you know, like seven minutes at half, one bounce of the ball can decide your weekend and, and rule you out of the Olympics. On the flip side, it can it can decide it for you. The squad is strong. They got Harry McNulty back from the US, which is a key um, addition. He's been 
brilliant for the sevens over the last few years they've got unbelievable players like jordan conroy and loads of talent across the group so so we'll watch with interest but but gary like it hasn't really grabbed the consciousness of irish rugby yet has it david news imagine this being a big strand to things and if they don't get the olympics qualification they'll again struggle to really grab attention i can if Nusifor goes murray i can see the sevens program being uh not being the priority of Nusifor's successor um mm. it just doesn't have tradition in this country uh there isn't a lot of love for it um the love is for the 15s and I just can't see that ever changing. I really can't like, you know, um, no, one, sorry, one way it could change if they did get to the Olympics and they did really yeah. well, uh, the Olympics is the biggest show on earth. Like, you know, so that could, that could alter things, but if they don't, then I just, there, I mean, there is a lack of love felt by a number of clubs in this country. Uh, and that's where they feel the focus should be rather than on sevens. And that's a reality, and we can't pretend that isn't a reality. And that's where people want the attention and the finance going towards rather than rather than to the sevens programme. And, you know, unless, unless they have success, I can't see that change. Yeah, I think the Olympics would be m- massive, as you say, like everyone sitting at home watching it. It is very entertaining when you get involved, and, and I've definitely enjoyed it. There have been players who've flagged it as a, a bit of a development tool maybe that's overstated at times as we've discussed birch because talented players are going to come through no matter what so it does feel like it's on a, a bit of a knife edge there so fascinating to see what happens this weekend and obviously best of luck to them in monaco I want to finish with one kind of random one birch from the members whatsapp group and um, completely off topic here but kieran asks kazuki himeno is playing this weekend in the trans tasman final for the highlanders the japan back row he's been a great signing and totally agrees one of my favorite players actually he says, why has he been such a success on the pitch and a fan favourite relative, relative to other foreign imports into Kiwi and other Southern Hem teams? Look at it, he's, it's because what he does um, on the field and, and uh, by all accounts um, off the field as well, he's, he's a, a lovable uh, sort of fella. I spoke to Gio Aplon who played with him in uh, in Japan and Toyota Verblitz um, about him and he just said he, he's just such a humble, kind of honest honest player who has an unbelievable skill set. And uh, Look at he's there's, there's a huge tradition or or um, appetite in in Japan to get a lot of Tongan kids into Japan very young. Um, so they they go to high school over there on scholarships, etc. And it's a it's a it's a big opportunity for um, for for some Tongan families to um, to give their kids a, a different education or an opportunity to to make a really good career for themselves in in rugby or 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 in in business and and. He's he's someone who who went through that pathway, um, you know, played for Japan in the World Cup, and the Highlanders have a very strong link with Japan, uh, as most Kiwi, Ki, you know, it's a huge tr- um, uh, connection between you know uh, New Zealand and Japan in terms of players, but also coaches going doing spotlight etc. But the Highlanders, obviously, with Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph, um, have had that, and there's been an exchange of players in the past, um, and he's the latest to come in. And he's just been been phenomenal, and uh, yeah, he'd be a nice replacement for Nakawara in in Ulster, um, wouldn't he? <laughs> he'd uh, he'd add something to the yeah. URC, uh, but yeah, an exciting player who who um, uh, it's it's amazing. Like it's brilliant to see players from from you know Japan um, uh, going into Super Rugby and and being so successful, and and uh, you know um, obviously we have you know. Uh, the winger in the winger in Claremont, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Matsushima, Matsushima yeah. who's come from you know Japan World Cup to the top fourteen Champions Cup and been been so exciting. So yeah, I I, I think it's a brilliant um, initiative and and the fact I, I love the way New Zealand are open to that. I mean, um, even given you know Jack Regan an opportunity, uh, Conan O'Donnell um, to to play there. Uh, James Haskell had a shot with the Highlanders as well. So they you know they have unbelievable talent. Um, but they're not close to to opening up the odd foreign player spot, and and anyone who gets the benefit from that and, and playing in in a, um, in Super Rugby in in, uh, in New Zealand is is very fortunate. Mm, be good to see Jimeno over here and Nakamura. He's my favorite in that team as well. Great playmaking twelve. But uh, Gary, just to wrap the second part of the question, actually from Kieran is. Who do you think of the current crop of Irish national or provincial players would excel in Super Rugby? Who's your shout? I'd imagine they all would do pretty well there, Murray. I can't, 
I can't think any that wouldn't. Um, yeah, love to see. I'd love to see a fit Dan Levy, uh, given the opportunity there. I think, I think if he was fit again, he could excel anywhere, and he he would be the he would be the player that would sort of stand out. Um, Doris as well, Tagburn, those those would be my. Yeah, favorite. who'd enjoy it most, Bert? Who do you think would embrace it? Celebrations. Dances. I think Casey, Craig Casey would love it. <laughs> he'd just be, he'd be at the the forwards heels for the whole game. It's high tempo, uh, quick taps. Yeah, I, I think Casey would, uh, I'm not sure about his celebrations, but he'd, he, he, the great thing about him is he expresses himself on the field. He, he, he just be, he's just himself and brings a little ball of energy. So uh, yeah, I, I think he could go quite well in it. That'll be very, very fun to see. Limerick's finest down in Super Rugby. Anyway, listen, lads, that's all we have time for today. Birch and Gary, thanks a million for your insight. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And for all the great questions, sorry we didn't get to every single one of them. We're back on Monday. That's the 42 Rugby Weekly Extra pod. As I said, you can sign up at members.the42.ie if you want to get involved. And that code was RugbyPod, all one word. Otherwise, we're back next Thursday, so we'll chat to you then. Cheers. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. It is <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, oh, Magic!